Welcome back to the Brooklyn Poets Yopcast for October 9th, 2017. Featuring poet Marwa Halal leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic. I am your host and MC, Jason Koo. The Brooklyn Poets Yop is a monthly poetry workshop and open mic held at 61 Local in Cobble Hill. That's at 61 Bergen Street, off Smith Street, near the Bergen Street FG stop. For more information and to sign up, go to brooklynpoets.org. This month's open mic lineup featured Elka Lampy, Helen Hutner, Erica Hodges, Joe Nasta, Kieran Bath, Charlene Guerna, Ellen Ripberg, Alan Braverman, Harvey Sauce, Candy Wolf, Richard Fine, Zachary Lawrence, Gerald Wagoner, Bonnie Belay, Julie Hart, Julia Knobloch, Arthur Russell, Vanessa Jimenez Gab, Tess Congo, Mike Cunningham, and Julie Chen. So let's get right to the action. The Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic for October. Enjoy. Welcome back. If I could have your attention, please. We are ready to start our open mic. Glad to see so many of you here. Nobody seems to have left, and we seem to have picked up several hundred bodies, which which we will try to squeeze into this room like a subway car. This is the Brooklyn Poets Yop open mic. I'm your host and MC tonight, Jason Koo, if you don't know me. Uh, A couple of ground rules for the open mic. If you don't know them uh, and you're coming up to the mic to read, you get one poem of three minutes max on the mic. That is one poem of three minutes max on the mic. Please do not go over your time. We ask that you do this because we are trying to get as many poets up here as possible. Uh, It is not just about you at this open mic. It is about all the other poets in the room. We are just as much about community as the individual poets. So please respect that time limit. If you go over, you know, we're not going to kill you or anything, but we're all going to (laughs) notice. We're all going to notice. We record the Yop every month as a podcast, which we call the Yopcast. So not only will we notice, but your time will be officially recorded on the podcast. So we will know for sure just how long you took. So if you think you're being sneaky, think again. Uh, If you don't want to be on the podcast, just tell me afterwards and I can take you off the recording. It's not a problem. Uh, Every month we vote for Poem of the Month at the Yop, and if you win Poem of the Month, it's by audience votes. I'm going to tell you how to vote in just a second. You earn a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown, which is at the December Yop. That's on December 11th, and at that Yop, we're going to have a short and open mic, and all of the 12 winners from the past year will read the poems that they won with and go head-to-head for coveted Poem of the Year honors, so it's an exciting opportunity. Here is how you vote. If you don't know my number already, this is the first time I'm going to give you the number to vote with, all you gotta do is tell me the poet's name. That's usually the easiest way. I ask that you wait till the end of the open mic to vote. And please turn off y- any cell phone noise. I just heard a couple of dings. If you could please silence that shit, that would be super helpful for us. Uh, the number to vote for Poem of the Month is 718-374-1953. 718-374-1953. 
Uh, a couple of announcements before we begin. Uh, as I mentioned before the break, Marwa Halal's workshop begins in just a couple of weeks. I believe her registration deadline is in two Sundays from now. Uh, so if you're interested, definitely sign up for that. Members get $25 off plus free admission to the YAWP. And returning students get $10 off. We also have a couple of other workshops, in fact, three of them starting pretty soon. One is the MFA application boot camp, which is an online workshop. If you're interested in applying to MFA programs, definitely check that out. I believe we have one seat left. So uh, if you are really interested in that, now is the time to sign up. In fact, the deadline was yesterday. But uh, if you email me this week, we might be able to work something out. Uh, and we have a couple of other workshops also led by uh, Vanessa Jimenez-Gab, who is in the room somewhere. Where did she go? Oh, she's in the back. There's Vanessa. Give a hand for Vanessa Jimenez-Gab. <laughs> Not only one of our teachers, but a great Brooklyn poet. She's in the Brooklyn Poets Anthology, which is over there. She is learning, leading a workshop on the economics of poetry. So that's an intriguing title. You can ask her what that means. Uh, how does money and materiality affect everything we do? And in fact, as you probably know, it does. Uh, she's going to read a little bit tonight. Uh, you can talk to her about her workshop. We also have another workshop led by, uh, who else is teaching? Jay Despande, but I believe that workshop is sold out. And uh, there is one more. That might be it, actually. Anyway, is that it? I think that's it. That's pretty much it. Hey, thank you. This is Arthur Russell, everyone. Give him a round of applause. The reigning yawper of the year, here to help us out. <laughs> okay, our first reader of the night is our feature reader, it, which is, of course, our professor. Give it up for Marwa Halal. All right, thank you. So I just had a chapbook come out um, called... Um, no, no, no. Um, it's called, I'm made to leave, I'm made to return. But I'm still going to read off of my phone um, for, you know, magic box effect, right? All the light. <coughs> Hi, after juvenile. That's you, a dark horse, huh? That's you as a black unicorn unrelenting and restless, huh? You run in before you had teeth, huh? You delta spilling into Mediterranean, huh? How they raised us, huh? I know I ain't tripping, auntie grilling fish, huh? You ready to bust some embassy windows, huh? You ain't scared, you know how to play it, huh? I know you ain't just gonna let customs punk you, huh? We was worlds, huh? Ain't had a chance but to make our own kind of free, huh? Straight up run you. You know who got that Gibna Rumi, huh? You know how to use a Geneke. Shit ain't hard as it seems, huh? You keep your Gelebea clean, huh? You got a lot of life, huh? Some of your cousins dope fiends, huh? You made to leave, huh? You don't care how bad it gets, you return, huh? Now you stuck here, huh? You miss your cousins, huh? This, that, survival, huh? We driving, catching air, huh? That's the Nile, huh? Yeah, you wish. Abu Simbel and Karnak, huh? Everyone knows who our ancestors are, huh? Hatshepsut, hieroglyphs. Now you learn in a new language like Rosetta Stone, huh? <laughs> and then this is the poem that's closest uh, to a biomythography 
that I've written so far. And thank you everyone who came through for the YAP workshop earlier. And I hope you continue to work on your pieces. Um, the ones I heard were beautiful and hopefully we'll hear more of them um, as the night goes on, yeah? Poem that wrote me into beast in order to be read. Samira and Aziza, Nabila Awatif and Adel, Isis and Mat, yes, Mat of the 42 laws and ideals we used to live by, you of white feather and commandment who made us, taught us of stars and named them, named us, made newt and systems of irrigation, Nile Delta source inventors of mead and koh for drawing of lapis and woven cloth and harp, Sinai, Berber, pen and paper. We were winged creatures, weren't we? Tell me, because I still dream of flight. Sometimes I trumpet waiting to be sound. I who have made earrings of arrow, reporting now to you of the mythical creatures I dismantled in order to become the one writing words you are reading. Tarsal by metatarsal, I disjointed false to be true. Sometimes I am cell with eyes made up of five-strand DNA, quintuple helix amoeba bond. I would claim you as my ancestors thrice, but once is honor. I am trying to be worthy, live to have learned so much that God made Arab to know what it is to be both black and Jew. To be Arab is to beast in order to be read. Like scripture, etched calligraphy, wooden metal, I ask you to marvel at poetry they tried to make us forget. In Guantanamo, an all unnamed time will ask us, of this time, come back again and again. While we were out, the world has become image we made in our own image, and this is what we hunt. Now, I've caught my reflection between incisors. I, beast of no nation, who want only to be read. Excuse me, now. Time to be fed. Thank you, Marwa. Our first reader off the main open mic lineup tonight has a great first name. I hopefully don't pronounce this incorrectly. If I do, just tell me. Is it Ilka Lampy? Is that correct? Elka. Elka Lampy, everyone. Give it up for Elka. Thank you. Yeah. Hi. It's my first time reading here. <laughs> Subway Elegy. Peanut butter sandwich crumble. Skinny fingers searching plastic with intent. While her mind is eating the page. Actual pages of a book. Not everyone is finger dancing on screens. Free something with your gym membership. An old map of the world was heart shaped. Train traffic ahead of us, sorry for the inconvenience. If I'm lucky, I can greet Lady Liberty in the morning, right after the bend in the tracks, and just before the Carroll Gardens big red church. She waves, whether bathed in sunlight, 
shrouded by fog or drenched in rain, a hopeful, steady greeting. My mother saw her in her dreams as a child in Germany in the 30s. My father saw her back, her back from Ellis Island, where he was deliced as a POW in 1943. I cried out to her on November 9, post-election, riding to work in disbelief. I'm a single mother raising two daughters. Unity is seven and destiny is 12. Anything will help. The blind man with one eye, sometimes at my destination. Raphael is his name. Time out, time out, it's free. Thank you, Elka. Our next reader tonight is Helen Huetner. Is that right? Huttner. Helen Huttner? Yeah. Give it up for Helen Huttner. Hi, thank you. My name's Helen. You can call me Lenny. <laughs> this poem is untitled. And the world felt so hard all of a sudden, but kind of all along. And I felt myself sinking into my chair and tears welling in my eyes. But then I felt two hands wrap around me, hug me closer, reach up under my arms and lift me up, wipe the tears from my cheeks. And those hands were mine. Once, as you lay sleeping next to me, I lay awake, plotting my escape from you. And my hand trickled down to my ribs, stomach, thigh, tiny things, shrunken things, frightened by the world that was you, billowing around me like a cape. I felt myself disappearing, and I smiled because in that moment I dreamt of the life I would have without you. I dreamt of the wine I would drink, of the people I would love, of the beautiful world I would create without you. And somehow you knew, even as you slept, because you rolled over and pulled me towards you, put my arm around your waist, and nestled into the small space my tiny body formed for you to sleep easy. And I lay there, you breathing in my air, turning me toxic, and I felt my little body cry out for me. Just a little longer, I told myself, as my body shivered and sighed. Not much longer, my love, I hummed to my depths. I'm planning your rescue, little one. Funny how you had no idea. No matter how, how tight your grip on me, I always held myself closer. Thank you, Helen. Our next reader is a new Brooklyn Poets Fellow, actually, so give it up for Erica Hodges. from a larger manuscript that I'm working on. I don't know how much of this I'm able to tolerate. I'm told I must, that there are no other options available to me. I have waited in line for hours, and by the time it was 
my moment in the queue. I was told that all my choices had been given to the bodies in front, and I said I would put my body in front, gladly, but the teller turned away and put a be back soon sign up, never answering my laying out for you. Take it, little girl, take it, and there are no more spots left. You are so strong, so independent, you are so interesting. I can't believe you came from that. Take it, little girl, just a little more. The front of the line is close now. You are almost there. They are all out, but you'll get there. Figure it out. I have to go. I already promised everything to another. Doesn't matter. Let me take care of you, but I have to go now. Almost there. A little more. Remember when he punched a hole through everything? Remember when you slept in the closet every second or third night? Remember the dread? Remember driving around the, the block a couple extra times just for a few more minutes of sitting in silence in a metal box where no one could hear you scream? At first, the floors had holes, and there were so many layers of paint that in the summer heat, the floor was sticky. Each new tenant meant another layer of house paint on the floor. Off-white, it had been a carriage home. Above horses were slaves, then servants, then just poor slept there. I thought that the tunnels had led me here, that this was the other side, a one-way street where you would get stuck in between shifting bricks if you tried to reach me. Safety. I wish now that I had stayed in transit. Sometimes even I wish I had let the tunnels disappear. I know eventually they would have stopped appearing. I know eventually surviving would have been the only thing I could do. I would be an expert by now. I wish that you had never held me. I wish that there were never any kindness to miss. Then that when it was all tunnel, turned to tunnelless pre-dawn, I was not remembering anything but still in transit. I have not left the line yet. It has been eight years, and the be back soon sign has long since been discolored. I am holding the remnants of my paper number, 247. Number four laughs from behind a screen and then vagues away, winning. I did not want to fight, but you won anyway, and then you told the past that I had finally fallen, and this was their chance, their chance to find my address and to add me to the roster, 247. I have not stopped dreaming of the grass beyond. I know this because I have shredded each of this paper ticket. So perfectly, the pulp made threaded. There is no wind here, so I can spare it. I breathe heavy on my grass and think about what kind of insects might hide there. I want to hide before the tunnels. I spent all of my time hiding. No one could find me, and I could read every book and know that I was doing something important. Now I cannot hide, and I wonder about the different shades of leather and who picked it out. Thank you. Thank you, Erica. Very nice. Our next reader is a current workshop student of mine, so give it up for Joe Nesta. Yeah. Hi, I'm Joe. Sorry. Um, I'm going to read parts of a longer poem that I've been working on. Um, this is called Lust, a sex dream about you and Alex Dimitrov. <laughs> I daydream Alex Dimitrov inside me. Lana Del Rey bleeds in my ears, congeals with words I steal from Alex with my tongue. Those words who are what I always was in a way of being that is so familiar, that way that takes the movements of our bodies and translates them as I dream. We come together towards a self-portrait of two poets as the American boy. A self-portrait of this two as one is us as you, reader, is him as me, is us listening, 
is us talking with our elbows and toes and hip bones, all of this reader for you. But then Alex is suddenly so full-bodied as he crawls out of my mouth. My gums tear inside their broken jaw. His eyebrows flex to scream, you little fucker, <laughs> because I'd stolen his humanity. The music stopped, and in the quiet, I knelt by his black denim, begging for a chance to keep it. I dreamed we have an orgy in a mud pit. James Franco as James Franco as two versions of himself in the muck that swim from the three of us and fuck themselves. Alex laughs, face pale under the moon. And then you cry with your fist inside my mouth. You won't kiss me, and I know, reader, what you're trying to say. Anything not very good, I'm very interested in. My knees bend backwards, serenade him. The first man I let inside did not use his fists, but my mouth took his lashes anyway. It was oh so sweet with my knees at his feet when I thought that it made me mean anything. My toes curl and tell him. The first man I kissed poured me his emptiness, tasted like rubber and vodka and vestiges. He took all of my dreams, turned me into something like it's magic. I pretend that it's wonderful, somewhat interesting. Alex laughs, face pale under the moon. I woke up sweating. Um. I imagined, unable to sleep. Alex as me, as you, as you punch my two front teeth and empty out my mouth but for your needs, and then you as him tell me, you are not enough. It doesn't matter though, because I'm so young and in love. Don't worry, baby. It's just enough to make me go crazy. I was awake when the music stopped, but my body kept dancing. It whispered, this poem was never about you, reader. This poem was never about Alex Dimitrov. America is about finding a poet to worship. This poem is about me as you, you as him. This poem is about us all finally listening, and a poet always gets what he wants, to our own selves. Something personal buried itself inside this ode, inside our lives as recurring dream, beneath our loves as uncontrollable lust, you'll have to be shirtless. The way I lift my arms above my head sings, and maybe pantsless too. The way my fingers untangle my belt screams, because a poet always gets what he wants. This way of being has become so familiar that I can pretend this is what I really want. Can you do that for me? The music stopped. I knelt at his black denim. A poet always gets what he wants. Stuck inside this body, this past that always leaves me begging, I'll give it to you if you give me what I want. But this time, reader, I kept it. Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Our next reader tonight is another student in my current workshop and a Brooklyn Poets Fellow, a double whammy for you all. Give it up for Kieran Bath. Um, this is also a draft I've been working on for a while and I haven't really, haven't really finished it. Um, it explores the culture of shaming in Indian communities. Mother, let them talk when they see what I've done. Let them rejoice. The powders of holly have come early. Only it's dirt they will smear on your name. Our people's currency of shame survived third world to lands of plenty. 
Here they have houses and stretches of lawn. Mother, why does our blood have landlords? All five rivers of Punjab claim no makers. My veins are screaming to be unnamed, to flow as free as the five, to know no keepers and no gaze. There is no surviving the tides. Your daughter forgets that her blood makes her mirror of mirror of mirror, an endless illusion of honor. My glass is brown to bound to break. If I abandon my muse, mother, let them look for you. For too much silk has been spilled for any daughter to sin this late, to unravel from the God that she wed. Watch how the thread is made to untrace every last line of another's design. The aunties have counted the gold and the saris. My veins were weighed down by the jewelry, the henna, the purity. I did not live up to my namesake. This sunburnt country has ruptured me. The blue of Sydney beaches ravaged me. The West and its godless people have ruined me. Darling Betty, wheat-coloured Betty, mother, what did you do to deserve me? How many karmic past lives can you trace? Were we lovers? What of mine did you break? The rivers of the five have kept me, mother. The rivers are still in my veins. Thank you, Kieran. Kieran is a former Poem of the Month winner this year, so you will see her again on, De on December. Can you be on December? You'll see her again in December. Uh, to remind you once again of the number to vote for Poem of the Month, 718-374-1953. So far, we are working on 10 out of 10 women who have won Poem of the Month. We only need two more to have 12 of <laughs> Yeah, one of you men has to step up. That's that's how you're gonna fix that. That's the only way you're gonna fix it. Seven one eight three seven four one nine five three. The first five readers, uh, not named Marwa Halal. You, by the way, you can't vote for Marwa. That's the only rule here. Uh, and you could, but and she'll appreciate it. But she can't participate in the poem of the year SmackDown. Also, you shouldn't really vote for yourself either. You could. Also frowned upon, not officially illegal, but frowned upon. <laughs> the first five readers were Kurt Kieran Bath, Joe Nasta, Erica Hodges, Helen Hutner, and Elka Lampy. Our next reader is Charlene Guerna. Give it up for Charlene. Um, just a little lower, I guess. Uh, that should be fine. Everyone can hear me, right? Good evening. Um, the poem I'm reading tonight is called The Battle Between Us. Let's get into it. I stand as the architect who put you together in my thoughts, tall and sturdy. You are the misery who enjoys my company, late night visitor who likes to arrive at the tail end of my day when I'm dreaming, full moons and full figured trees. I look past you when you try to incite me because every time we play, I come out losing. It ends in a swirl of panting and crying, oozing you out of my pores. I'm usually the one panting and crying. You like to run around the place screaming victory. My attitude is somewhat handicapped after you are done with me. 
I've been working overtime to rinse you off my fragile skin, to drain you from my blood vessels, to kick you out of my system. The eviction will take time, perhaps the same amount of time that it took to move you in. You are the reaction of my female friends, something I inherited from my mom. The men I never worked out with passed you on and you stuck like the rat traps that I keep around the house, you know, the ones that get stuck to your feet when you've forgotten that they exist. I've tried to throw a blanket over you to dim your glow. I've wished cold hard death upon you and you disappear for some time. You came into my life when I was younger but I neglected this idea of you. You pursued me intensely as I aged, bringing despair and destruction of character and beauty with you. Now you're like a spouse to me. We fight, not like cats and dogs but more like members of the same band trying our hardest to outshine one another. Catastrophic in every way, Drainer of my summer's day glow. Reason why my blood pressure is steps from the sky. Third wheeler, uninvited guest. I'm ecstatic to say that our relationship is finally over. I set fire to your name, watching how the letters to insecurity cook in flame. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Charlene. Our next reader is a poet who debuted last month. Give it up for Ellen Ripberg. FYI, I'm going to be hosting a poetry reading at Station Independent Projects um, November 12th at 6 p.m. Anna Bosasevich, who was here last week, and Ariel Yellen are going to be the two poets, and then I lead a creative exercise. I want to be the terminus of the train station. Don't ask me why. A modest goal, I know. As you grow, as I grow older, I realize it's okay to not do anything sometimes, like when I have a foot fungus or that maybe my nose is getting longer or that maybe not all of my writing is great for all healthy, all human things today. The sky is unblemished by industry. Guess the sky is gray, almost Dickensian. And, but it's from the elements, the natural ones, the unspoiled ones, the wrath of the god ones. When pigeons do their pigeon things in the world is not what you're thinking, skirting the air, twirling their tutus, tutu masses of tutus use and it's okay to use a subgrammatical regionalism even if it's not my region but hey it's my exit and I am entitled finding thank you thank you Ellen that was short and awesome our next poet uh, just celebrated his retirement, so give him a special round of applause. Give it up for Alan Braverman. Thank you. Uh, you know, I told my wife I'll retire when I lose all my hair, so she, she couldn't stop laughing, all right? Okay. Um, Good evening to all my fellow poets. It's October and feels like June. Global warming with the deniers in the White House. And it's Columbus Day, and I rather name it Indigenous People Day. Um, I have uh, just a single poem. It's, uh, it's called a, the poem is titled A Midsummer's Night Memory in October. 
While staring into the urban twilight until consumed by darkness, street lamps illuminating my path as artificial stars and no need for corrective lenses on a nightly walk through the Dutch city of once broken land, now exactly neatly paved and segmented, one of five, though the history fades, obscured by this nearly pitch black milieu where homes and buildings are mere two-dimensional props in a poorly lit theater, and trees and shrubberies appear as apparitions, ghost-like memories of green and golden hues now reduced to silhouettes, and the plants and flowers as pencil sketches waiting for the, for the brush of the watercolorist, drawing from the artist's daytime palette until cars as angry demons with pairs of glowing eyes race down the street until they see red. The engines howling like wolves. The vehicles disappear and the tranquility of the evening is restored. And I stroll among stray cats and birds nesting quietly until the morning sun awakens their voices. And then the sounds of air conditioners as musical interludes. And the moon is full, a spotlight for me on this Brooklyn stage without a script or an audience till my house is visible and the cell phone rings unanswered until accessing this uh, voice message. It's my wife wondering where I am and when will I be home. Thank you, Alan. Congratulations again. Well earned. Our next reader is Harvey Sauce. Give it up for Harvey. Okay. <laughs> this is fine. This is fine. This is fine. I like to be taller than something, so it might as well be the bike. Uh, First of all, I'd like to invite you to an open mic uh, reading that I host monthly at the Montour Club in Park Slope, Brooklyn. The next event will be on October 29th. There's flyers on the, uh, the table there. It's an historic venue. Uh, come and visit and read. This one is called It's Not Your Fault. Downwind of Stern's Pickle Factory, mother melted butter in a frying pan. There's nothing you or I could have done about it, husband or son. She was no toddler on training blocks to require one of us to call and ride shotgun. After convalescence and post-surgical depression, she insisted on going out alone, driving unaccompanied those few miles to the mall. Neither of us could have known, how could we, that an aerosol can from the stop-and-shop hairspray or Pam spray can for a July 4th cookout to keep meat globs from sticking to the grill would become a bomb, soaking up sun where it rocked heatedly beside her on the passenger seat until it burst, going all kablooey nova, turning luminous housewife into a flambeau exploding without warning, setting the car and her on fire. A seer could not have foreseen this end. Neither you nor I could have foreseen this end. 
I don't recall the make or model, probably Chevy or Olds as you proudly allowed only fresh off the lot Detroiters with Nassau, with Nassau-worthy gizmos in the driveway. Made in America was the way to go, or so hand over heart you swore. Had you been there helpless where she stalled and burned, fumbling, I suspected, her seatbelt, shining so brightly in a bucket seat, you might have rethought your position and double-damned American design. Two tough locks and windows that defied efforts of sooty-faced Samaritans to break her out of the screaming car. It's not your fault they could not save her. Any more I must and do believe than it is mine. Mother, wife, survivor of two open heart surgeries, perhaps she just couldn't be saved. It's not as if we didn't care. For my part, after some robo-detective dialed to say, my father needed me, I thought, as you must have done, if only I could have been there, I would have kicked, punched, hammered that motherfucking glass to shards and fetched her for you from the fire to rise phoenix-like in her accustomed place at the dinner table to serve fun cooking and chicken paprika. And if the glass proved stronger even than adrenaline born of breast milk, I would have blessed her then as a son might and said for all of us, for all who knew and loved her, dumbly raging against both glassmaker and thrice-cursed inventor of the aerosol can, thank you, mother, and may you go painlessly into that great good night. Thank you, Harvey. Our next reader is Candy Wolf. Give it up for Candy. Thank you. Could you do it a little, little lower? Way <laughs> up. A little down. Yeah. Harvey, she wanted it down. <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> Well, this poem is called My Sweet Elixir, and it's dedicated to my father, the one and only Harry the Wolf. As I hear the Mr. Softy tune and see that ice cream store on wheels turn the corner, I'm six years old again. It's funny, I don't remember ever having a, a Mr. Softy. My favorite was always good humor. Oh, I love that ice cream. And the name. How could, any, how could anyone not like something with good humor attached to it? It was exciting when Herman the driver parked that truck on our corner, Ocean Parkway and Beverly Road. He would arrive at 8 p.m. just as me and my friends were finishing our punch ball game. He stayed until 10 o'clock when my father Harry bought all the neighborhood kids ice cream. Herman knew where his bread was buttered, or in this case, where his ice cream was topped. It's too bad, though, that he never smiled. He said he didn't like sweets. The good humor man was bland, unlike his ice cream. I can taste my favorites, the dark chocolate fudgicle that I love to lick, along with the orange vanilla creamsicle, and sometimes strawberry shortcake. But my usual pick was the crumb-dipped chocolate eclair, with the candy in the middle that had the consistency of a sugar daddy. Although it was a challenge, 
My father succeeded in getting Herman to smile just before Labor Day. That's because my daddy was good humor and Mr. Softy all rolled into one. <coughs> oh, I miss those days. And there isn't a good humor truck anymore. So now, in a funny way, my elixir is seeing Mr. Softy and hearing that tune, which brings me sweet memories and good humor. <laughs> Thank you. Well, luckily, it's still weather for ice cream trucks. <laughs> It'll be like that. Be like that until February. I don't think there's going to be winter this year. It might be the first year. Yeah, I mean, you saw the headlines today in the New York Times, right? It's good times. Good times in Donald Trump's America. What do I like to say, Isaac? Fuck that guy. <laughs> just apply that to everyone. Okay, to review, uh, you just heard Candy Wolf. Before her was Harvey Sauce, Alan Braverman, Ellen Ritberg, and Charlene Guerna. So I'll keep reviewing every five poets. Our next reader is Richard Fine. Give it up for Richard. Semicolon. I love her, she loves me not. A run-on sentence. A stream of consciousness. With no period, comma, colon, semicolon. Anywhere between I and not. In a confusing lack of conjunction. <clears throat> I love her. Period. She loves me not. That's all there is to it. Period. A lone dot. Two subjects and two predicates, both with independent capitals, each dwelling in their own complete sentence. But alas, her sentence excludes mine. I love her, comma, and she loves me not. A definitive compounding of simplicity into yet another sad story of unrequited love. <clears throat> I love her, comma, she loves me not. A wishy-washy, comma, splicing. <laughs> with I almost desperately running on and on and clinging. <clears throat> and she seriously contemplating a final parting. Such an uncertain breakup muddles age-old rhetorical and relationship rules. I love her, comma, but she loves me not. Yet maybe, just maybe, but means she does. <laughs> Perhaps a trace of hopeful doubt lingers, and if so, with she and her dependent clause, and I resplendent in a, as a capital type, my love will surely conquer her indifference. But... Would I really want such a diminutive love? Even if I got her to say, yes, so yes, take me. I love her, colon, she loves me not. My darling is not just another one of, on my list of 
infatuations. She is more than a mere etc. in my life. Neither does my love for her need a list of reasons why. Her myriad charms are self-evident even to the most oafish observer. I love her, semicolon. I love her not. That compromise semicolon, that middling scion of period and comma, makes the cleaving between I love her and she loves me not stronger than a comma, but weaker than a period. Yet cleave could mean not only parting, but also joining. True, our cases don't exactly match. But far more importantly, each of us is still the subject of an independent clause, equally apart, but wholly together, in our one complete thought, I in hers and she in mine. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. That was a lot of punctuation. Thank you. I'm glad you, knew, you know how to use a semicolon correctly. Um, unlike almost all of my students. Our next poet is a Yop debuter. Give it up for Zachary Lawrence. Hey, my name's Zach. What's that? Okay. <laughs> I have a short haiku. Well, regular length haiku that doesn't take long to read. Okay. Um. <laughs> Disillusioned time. Ongoing wow of the now reminds me to stop. Oh, Zachary, I'm not even sure you had to sign up for that. You could have just, <laughs> you could have just squeezed right in there. Just be like, look, I got, I got 17 syllables, man. Uh, well done. I don't think I really got a picture. I got a blurred picture of you, so, uh, <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Our next poet is Gerald Wagoner. Give it up for Gerald. Good evening. This is my happy birthday to me poem. It's, uh, Newport, Oregon. 731-2017. Tomorrow is Herman Melville's birthday. Mine too. I want his Pacific to be tropical and placid. Not this numbing water, this 30-knot wind, this beached, bleached driftwood I now occupy. The smells of pungent seaweed, decaying crab carapace in the curved trace of waves and sand blend with salted mist to provoke theories of my summers in a wooded trailer park bound by dunes sprouting knife-bladed grasses where I, a solitary explorer, of the tides that draw and quarter each day hunted hermit crabs and fed flower-like anemones, the patient carnivores that 
<laughs> evasion carnivores whose petals enfold stray morsels of mental detritus and wanton offerings. At pubescence, there was an older girl, a makeshift driftwood shelter, and the tentative probings of barely imagined landscapes. The Oregon coast is no Atlantic beach, a mile of bright umbrellas, ethnic diversity, and beach chairs, and multitudes bobbing in murky surf. The water here is clearer, but cold. The bottom shifty, the undertow over-treacherous. Offshore this morning, a gray fog band divides sky from sea. The low tide's shallow sheen mirrors an aquamarine sky. The breakers roll in titanium white. A faint foghorn from the jetty where swelling seas seize boats from water waked by man is odd in this southbound blow. Maybe the fog lies on the bar, banking on obscurity to, for another dry run at the undiscovered deep. Do I go old at 70, fall from agile to spry? Today, I can, in two- and three-point perspective, draw on the myriad vanishing points of memory. Today, the horn's slow frequency touches bone. Thank you, Gerald. Our next reader is Bonnie Belay. Give it up for Bonnie. This poem could be my anthem. I would pay for sleep. Anything is better than lying in bed. The fan spills air on my skin. The covers are con touching my feet. An, e an extra pillow has st strayed on my side of the bed. I take a Tylenol, an allergy pill, suck a cough drop. I get up to pee. I take lorazepam, Unisom. I tried Ambien, but it lit my face on fire. Melampodium made my tongue swell in my mouth. I, it, the website didn't mention anaphylaxis, but I kept the phone by the bed just in case. I get up for a glass of water. I take Gas-X, Zagarid. Everything hurts. I take methylprednisone. I get up to pee. I hate every pillow I've ever owned. <laughs> I get up, always on a diet. I get up and eat the foods I've forbidden myself in the daytime. Chocolate, chocolate chip muffins, mayo on white bread. Out of bed, sitting in the living room, I watch a mouse run under the birdcage. I set the traps with pistachios and put in new batteries so the mice are electrocuted. 
They're great traps. <laughs> I watch abandoned dogs being saved on YouTube and parrots cursing into mirrors. I grab the remote control and watch late night TV. Thank you, Bonnie. I hope you get a good night's sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, why start now? That was Bonnie Belay. Before that was Gerald Wagoner, Zachary Lawrence, Richard Fine, and Candy Wolf. Our next reader is a former Yawper of the Year. Come to our Yawp in December, and you'll find out what that is. Give it up for Julie Hart. Hi, everybody. Um, woman awake at 3 a.m. I see that there's kind of a theme going on here. Woman awake at 3 a.m. whose frazzled neurons fire a strangled shriek inside my head. I list and plan and check and chew a little hole inside my cheek, my mind a flowing fractal maelstrom of what is done and what is yet to do. I shall control this flaw inside my brain, this freezing, whirring, stand stock still again, full of duty and love and anxious whine and prices and places, and do I need to get cash? <laughs> Where the only sanity is admitting I've gone batshit crazy, hazy, fuzzy, lazy, when I used to be sharp. Each day a burden carried, harried, serried, married. An empty nest is out there somewhere. Where? A soppy sentiment, a trail of tears, a trial, a scale, a pile of years. Thank you. Thank you, Julie. Beautifully efficient as always. Our next reader is the reigning winner of Poem of the Year. So, uh, you know, take notes if you are interested. Give it up for Julia Knobloch. Is it on? No, it's on. Hi, yes. It's good to be back. I wasn't here in September and I missed it. So um, I'm reading a poem that was recently published in the launch issue of a new journal that's called Rascal. So you check it out. It's an awesome journal. And it's called Return. My mother's aunt lost her daughter in a train station during the war. She turned away for one second my mother used to say in terror. Only one second and the child was gone. She wore a blue net hat. It was snowing. I often returned to train stations expecting to find a home in the space between arrivals and departures. I returned to what was lost and what will be. I am looking for my mother. A family has seven children. One is missing. I know their secrets and their blood. 
Brothers seek my closeness, then leave me in disdain and fear, as if I were their parents' seventh hair. Their shadows move through moonlit deserts. I can't let go of what feels like home, although I'm locked out on the street. I have a sister in Portugal. Her brother died last year. I sometimes talk to him. We didn't part ways the best of friends, but sufficiently at peace. Before he lost his life, he lost his son. I talk to him about his past, about how the ocean smells of salt and light. Grandmother Hannah lost two daughters, one to illness, one to the new world. Grandmother Hilda lost two homes, one to the war, one to bankruptcy. Both lost their husbands, one to illness, one to suicide. My mother lost two fathers, three cats, and me. She loved to sunbathe on the terrace, the staghound sumac in our garden, wild berries, and in summer, lukewarm mint tea. I lost two children before I knew if they were sons or daughters. I lost my love on the first day of the seventh month. I lost my laughter in the year that followed. I lost my brothers in a night I don't remember. I lost my home when my father cut down the tree. I skipped stones across the lake. I am looking for my mother. Thank you. Thank you, Julia. Beautiful poem, as always. Our next reader is the reigning yopper of the year, which you'll find out all about in December. So just don't worry about it right now. He'll, or maybe he'll explain it to you. Give it up for Arthur Russell. Uh, right about now, these days, I'm taking a workshop with Jason Koo called uh, uh, <laughs> Dear Reader. And all I can tell you is, everything they say about him is true. <laughs> what did they say? Uh, this is called uh, Returning to Your Hotel Room After Kissing at the Wedding of Mutual Friends. Get ready. <laughs> you turned to rest your cheek against the wall and let me press against you from behind and touch the ear turned towards me with my lips. But when my hand moved from your hip and drifted across your pleated skirt down towards your crotch, you fetched my hand up to your mouth and kissed it, finger, 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 thumb. Then held it to your blouse and whispered, no. Then we had to sit on your bed and talk about the way your marriage to Jordan works. Where you were in your life when you two met. The promises you made and what they mean. How I should try to understand and honor that no-go zone within the lace trim of a pair of panties around your waist and hipster high on both your thighs within whose border not for Arthur lies. <laughs> like labia minora in the mist, the disappearing future of our tryst. 
Back home, I sulked a while, justly pissed. <laughs> but then I laid my petulance aside. After all, I love you and would never belittle your concerns like Andrew Marvell. So my dick retained my brain as advocate to solve this thick conundrum and to find Talmudically the interstitial law where scruples and desire coexist, i.e., how to enter the promised land without crossing the River Jordan. <laughs> so I propose we both take off our tops, you your bra as well, and face each other naked from the neck down to the waist, while down below our jeans all zipped and belted, we look at one another for a while and feel the pull our ocean hearts exert when freed from the restrictions of a shirt. Shed the social fabric of our clothes and see and really see ourselves exposed. Just that, my love, and nothing more. Unless our chests so close together can't but touch. Your nipples in my chest hair make their nest. The perfume of your neck becomes too heady. Your convex eyes reflect the curving picture of your hand along the tenders of my neck. In which case, dear, we'll have to see what's next. Thank you. Thank you, Arthur. We workshopped that yesterday. It's already much better. You've been working on it. <laughs> That's good. A hundred percent. Awesome. Our next reader, we are onto the wait list now, and I think we have time for maybe three or four poets. Uh, our next reader is uh, a new faculty member a new faculty member of ours that I introduced earlier. Give it up for Vanessa Jimenez Gab. I'm going to be reading one poem from a book that came out last year, almost, well, November 1st, almost a year ago. Um, this is, I hope, will speak to the course I'm going to be teaching with Brooklyn Poets in a few weeks, which is Poetry and Money, Poetry and Economics, um, and celebrates anti-imperialism, which I think many of us are celebrating today. Economic update. Working class wages have risen by 5 to 6% in China, where billionaires exist more than anywhere else. But this is not enough to offset the decline in wages for the American working class. When I got out of bed, it was spring, but not spring. Most of the ice gone back into the air, changing in ways that scare some of us. The baguette, the fruit, the sausage came to me when I ordered them. I had nowhere to be then, a whole blue sky, and I didn't leave for the blue sky. Naked, I did as many burpees as I could in seven minutes, and still with nowhere to be then, with little breath to be. 
Governor Scott Walker proposed to cut the budget of state universities in Wisconsin by $300 million to change higher education from a way to understand the world and talk about it with the people around you to vocational training. Also in higher, edu higher education news, Purdue University is offering students a new option to pay for their education. They can find an investor to pay for their education in exchange for a percentage of their future income. It felt good to say, let's buy something to eat and eat it in the park. After you read something, it either stays with you or it doesn't. I read a 38-page long poem from beginning to end and understood that I needed to read more to understand it more, but I became more and more hands and feet in the 600 square feet of this apartment and the morning glory through the window. Austrian central banking group Pipo Alpe Adria, a major lender in the middle of Europe, revealed it was short by 10 billion euros. They have no money. The government of Austria bailed out this bank to the tune of 1 million euros. One state of Austria, Carinthia, guaranteed 9 billion euros in loans despite its annual revenue of 2 billion euros. Among the creditors that Carinthia will not be able to pay are several large banks in Germany. Hypo Alpe Adria made huge amounts of homeowner loans in southeastern Europe. The people are in trouble and can't pay back the mortgages, which means they can't pay the bank, which means the bank has no money to pay back the people it borrowed from to get the money it lent to the homeowners. It feels unbearable to reiterate. To know what is needed is to become and how to become and to find new reasons to become. And what if we don't become together? This and five tacos and two margaritas for $24 have brought me to a surprisingly well-lit basement in a church by the park where, at the entrance, a man introduces himself as William and says the man giving the talk inside is a liberal. He believes in improvement. 10% of the people own 90% of the wealth and the internal logic says they have always sought out and continue to seek out the hinterlands. People come on the second Wednesday of every month to this basement in this church to fill the seats, to be filled. We are almost a sea. Someone in the back is beginning to record and we are silencing and the almost sea is waiting to become the sea. Thank you, Vanessa. Take that workshop. Get it. Our next reader is our wonderful intern who helps all of you at the door. Her sister is here, so be extra special nice to her. Give it up for Tess Congo. Some of the lines from this are from Tess of the D'Urbervilles by Thomas Hardy. Uh, if you want to know which lines, come see me after. <laughs> On a blighted star, was my fate ridden in my bones? Or was I summoned by roll call? Could I have enclosed myself, dead leaves, pale nebulousness, in a room without doors or windows? I thought this body mine for this lifetime but under a callous moon, fingers bend into my skin, forbidden to believe the great power of myself, my rejection is rejected. Why didn't you tell me, skinned of my angel wings? There was danger, the dazzling threat of a chandelier overhead. One touch, the whole world 
Shivers. Thank you, Tess. Well done, as always. Uh, I would like to know what lines those are from. Have you, how many of you read that book? I'm just kidding. I don't really want to know, but uh, I read that book my junior year of college, I think. Wow, that was a long time ago. Our next poet is Mike Cunningham. Give it up for Mike. Uh, thank you. This is my first time being here. Reading poem. And this poem is called I Hear Everything Singing. I hear everything singing. I hear the birds singing as the sun walks slowly across the grass like a bride down the aisle. The grass is crying happy for her return. If only I could hear the song of the flowers. The daffodils would sound like trumpets, roses, violins, daffodils, cymbals, sunflowers, mandolins. The bees dance with the sunflowers, their feet on the, door, the dance floor, their faces in love with their rough beard stalks, singing songs of praise and gratitude. The bees know that love is a sweet thing. So when I hear the song of love today, will I also sing? Thank you, Mike. And our last reader of the night is an old friend of ours. You've heard him before. If you've come to the Yop, give it up for Robert Gibbons. That was my big, uh, my big, my big finish there. I guess, I guess not. Uh, he thought he wasn't gonna get to read. Well, we will end with this poet instead. Uh, it's always nice to end with an Asian American poet. Give it up for Julie Chen. and a poem. Um, my favorite phrase in Chinese, my first language, is chuku, which means eating bitterness. And I have a few friends who are visual artists who are planning a gallery exhibition around this theme. So it, it's going to involve like sculpture, painting, performance art, and I'm trying to get them to organize a reading too. So if anyone's interested in reading around this theme, please come talk to me. Um, I don't know a lot of poets here, so talk to me. And then this is my poem. It's kind of short, so that excuses the plug. It's called Dad tries to break into a pool, just like when he tried to use a pole pruner to steal the neighbor's lemons. <laughs> like a chef, he tosses one end of the noodle over the gate. It flops against the handle, flaccid. No luck. This is before a cousin but not a cousin copies us their keys. This is breaking and entering. Five foot nine Asian man, aided and abetted by two minors just old enough to have learned shame. Then circling townhouses frown at us like judgy pigeons, shitting into the pool, pie-sized shadows haloed by sunlight. Thank you.
Okay, thank you. That was Julie Chen. I'm going to go back over the readers for you. If you want to vote for Poem of the Month, before Julie was Mike Cunningham. Before that was Tess Congo, who also won Poem of the Month earlier this year, so she's kind of disqualified, but you could vote for her anyway. Vanessa Jimenez-Gab, Arthur Russell, Julia Knobloch, Julie Hart, Bonnie Belay, Gerald Wagoner, Zachary Lawrence, Richard Fine, Candy Wolf, Harvey Sauce, Alan Braverman, Ellen Rittberg, Charlene Guerna, Kieran Bath, Joe Nasta, Erica Hodges, Helen Hutner, and Elka Lampy. The number to vote for... Can you guys settle down? <laughs> Do I got to send you to the corner? Uh, yeah. I'm going to put... Right yet. Throw you down the stairs. That was like, I suddenly had a vision of myself throwing Arthur down the stairs. It was like, it was like immensely satisfying to me. <laughs> the number to vote for Poem of the Month is 718-374-1953. Just tell me the name of the poet, or if you can describe the poet or the poem, that probably will work. Again, 718-374-1953. Our next yop comes your way in the second Monday of November. I can't remember what day that is. Check our website. It will be led by, uh, is that led by you? It is led by Vanessa Jimenez-Gab. So you just heard her tonight. You will see more of her in November. So definitely come to that. Uh, Be safe and be well and have a good night. Thank you, guys. have it the brooklyn poets yop open mic for october 9th 2017 thanks to our professor marwa halal for leading our workshop and kicking off the open mic marwa is one of our new profs this fall at brooklyn poets and she is teaching a five-week workshop beginning on wednesday november 1st called We Must Make Our Own Language Imagining a Vernacular Future. This is a really exciting new workshop for us. The workshop asks, what is the role of vernacular language in literature and how does it help shape a new language for the future? So if you are interested in that subject, definitely check it out. There is still a little bit of time to register. You can register until Sunday, October 22nd. And you can do that at brooklynpoets.org. Congrats to Charlene Guerna for winning October Yacht Poem of the Month for her fantastic poem, The Battle Between Us. Charlene has earned free admission to a future yacht and a spot in our Poem of the Year Smackdown on December 11th, which is the December yacht, our final yacht of the year. Charlene will go head-to-head with the other 12, or sorry, the other 11 winners of Poem of the Month over the past year for coveted Poem of the Year honors, Uh, and that is a very special prize to win indeed. You get a cash prize, you get a free swag item of your choice, a Brooklyn Poets membership, a Poet of the Week feature on our website, and just incredible... I don't know, extra swag, like actually good Tinder dates or something. Our November yop comes your way on Monday, November 13th, 
at 61 Local, and it will be led by Vanessa Jimenez-Gab. You heard Vanessa on the Yawpcast for this month. She read at the top of our waitlist. And we are really excited about the workshop she is going to lead. It'll be a little glimpse of what she is doing in her poetry and economics workshop. Sorry, it's called the Economics of Poetry. And that workshop begins very soon on Wednesday, October 25th. And that will be from 6.30 to 9.30 in South Slope. So if you're interested in that workshop, you can also register for that at brooklynpoets.org. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it as always. If you have time, rate us on iTunes, subscribe, spread the word, all that good stuff. We hope to see you next time live in the flesh at the Brooklyn Poets. Y'all come out on Monday, November 13th. And have a good day. Thanks for listening.